If you're like me, you care about getting the most from your workouts, which means wearing the finest performance gear. You know, fabric that dries quickly and has superior moisture wicking properties. Fabric so soft and comfortable, you could, well, curl up and sleep in it. Introducing Sheeks, spelled S-H-E-E-X, the world's first performance bedding line. Sheeks began when two former elite athletes and coaches had an aha moment, combining everything we love about quality performance fabric with everything we love about comfortable, irresistible bedding. Unlike traditional sheets that trap heat, sheets are breathable, so you aren't constantly waking up to throw off covers or out a blanket. So you sleep deeper, longer, and better. And sheets bedding looks as good as it feels. Colors and styles that can match any decor at a price that will pleasantly surprise you. And right now, you can try sheets for 30 nights risk-free. Just go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com promo code 1212. Sleepcoolnow.com 1212. This is the World According to Zig podcast for December 22nd, 2019. My name is John Ziegler. I'm the host of this show. We can still get the truth about the news of the day from a conservative perspective in this world turned upside down. Our website is www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. You can also check out my Trump-related podcast, the Individual One podcast, you can find that also at freespeechbroadcasting.com. This is a very special episode of the World According to Zig podcast. It's not just our final episode of 2019. It is also, at least part of the podcast, is the fifth annual Grace Ziegler Christmas interview. Grace Ziegler has been a very prominent character on this show from way back when it was a Sunday night terrestrial radio show to when it's been a podcast. And this is the fifth straight year that we've done a Christmas-related interview with her. You may recall that uh, Grace has been on many times before. It's costing money! And we also remember this one. I am the leader! Do as I say! And maybe my favorite... Is Trump a bad guy or a good guy? <laughs> well, here she is in person now as a seven-year-old girl. We talked about her in the last episode with Christmas coming up and her ongoing relationship with Santa Claus as a seven-year-old. Grace Ziegler, welcome back to the podcast. Hi. How's it going? Good. So when you were on in the fourth annual Christmas interview, do you remember what you did? What, what were you promoting this, the last year when you were on this program at Christmas time? It's Casting money? No, no. You were promoting the fact that you were going to do a ballet in oh, yeah. in our park, a Nutcracker ballet, right? It, it's a cancel. Right. For those who don't know, let's just play a little bit of the clip of what ended up happening. You were on this show, and you promoted the ballet that you had come up with, the idea that you were going to do the Nutcracker ballet for Christmas at our local park where there's a stage, and you we bought you a, a fairly large Nutcracker. And uh, you went and did a performance, even though you have no formal training in ballet, correct? I'm homeschooled. You're homeschooled. You're homeschooled ballet. <laughs> okay, you're homeschooled ballet. So this was you um, after that appearance on the podcast, which you promoted. Now, you were a little disappointed that there was no crowd that showed up, correct? Mm -hmm. 
Yes. Well, well, I should have I should have made it more clear to you that first of all we taped the podcast, and second of all, the podcast is is a national show. It doesn't have a large audience in our little community where we have the park. Plus, the, you didn't even tell people when and where this was going to happen, so there was no way for anyone to actually show up except for mommy, daddy, and your sister Diana. But you were disappointed by that, correct? Yes. Right. In fact, I remember you almost were heartbroken when we showed up. But you went on with the show, and you did a really good show, I thought. And you, you chose to do ballet in your flip-flops, which I thought was a bold choice. That was a bold choice. But here, here was how the performance uh, of The Nutcracker ended uh, just about a year ago. Yay! Apparently, we're not supposed to cheer. That was Grace Ziegler performing The Nutcracker. How was it? I thought it was great. What do you think, Diana? It's not the ending, and I'm quitting, and it's a cancel. We're canceling the rest of the concert. Okay. Sure, it's Daddy's fault. <laughs> it's a cancel. Ah, uh, yes. That's the crowd that didn't show up cheering your performance. Um, tell us about It's a Cancel. What was that all about? You're being dumb. I was being dumb? I liked what you did, and I was showing my appreciation. I, it's embarrassing. But I thought you did a great job. And well, if you thought, you would have not said it. Okay. Well, I know that whatever daddy does, daddy screws up. I get it. I, I know that from, from your mommy. Uh, I know that from you. Uh, I know you, it from Scarlett. Your, Scarlett, your friend? She's always actually been pretty nice to me. All right. Let's talk about, we got a lot of things I want to talk about. Let's first talk about where you currently stand on our president, Donald Trump. Is Trump a bad guy or a good guy? What, what do you think the answer to that is these days? Good guy. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what do you really think of Donald Trump? Bad, 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 bad Wh guy. Why is he a bad guy? Because he tells lies. Because he tells lies. Do you think, uh, what did you think of his impeachment this week? I was celebrating. Why, what, why were you celebrating his impeachment? Because he, I think he's going to get fired. You think he's going to get fired? Do you want him to be fired? Yes. What would what would you do if Trump got fired and was removed from office? I think it's a little inappropriate. What's a little inappropriate? Well, <laughs> you think it would be so you don't want to say on the air what you would do to celebrate because it would be inappropriate. Okay, I get it. But guess what? That's not going to happen. He's not going to be fired. He's still going to be our president. He's just been impeached. Boo. All right. Much more important this week than the impeachment of Donald Trump was that a week ago today, you got to see Santa Claus. <laughs> so tell us about how that went. Super good. <gasps> just tell people on the, on the show. Don't whisper to me. Okay. How did it go with Santa Claus? It was good, but most importantly, not yeah, not yesterday, but the day before yesterday, Santa sent me a note and a Polar Express card. And what was in the note? A Polar Express card. Now, what did he say in the note? I, I, I don't remember. But you thought it was a good sign that Santa was sending you a letter. 
Yeah. So let, let's review here. So how good do you think you've been this year? Good. But not great, right? You've been better than last year. <laughs> would, would you agree with that? <laughs> would you agree with that? Yes. You were bad as a six-year-old. As a seven-year-old, you haven't been great, but you've been better. Largely, I think, because you like school better. Is that true? Well, I don't like what they've done with the sandbox thing. <laughs> okay, but in general, you like school better than you did last year, right? And the texting, it's too much. Okay, Grace, no one cares <laughs> about the fact that the school texts your mommy and daddy too much. But, all right, so, so, so Santa thinks you've been okay. You had a good visit with him last week, right? What did he say to you? Ho, ho, ho. Oh, baloney. You don't even remember. You were so nervous, you don't even remember what he said to you. What did you ask for? Descendants, Coronation, Evie doll, a Lava Bella doll, um, a pair of skates, um, and a trampoline, and for my sister, an Elsa Ice Palace. It's nice that you uh, added your sister in there, because Diana's still a little bit afraid of Santa. So it was good that you put in a good word for her. And plus, she's not been very good either this year. She doesn't even go in the potty. Okay, well, you know, you didn't at that age either. <laughs> Diana's only two years old. So uh, you had a good visit with Santa. You got a letter from Santa. So you're feeling pretty confident going into Christmas. Is that fair? Yep. You are. You're confident. In fact, I think you're more confident than you've been in recent years. Can we talk about Bigfoot? We will talk about Bigfoot in just, in just. In fact, let's talk about Bigfoot now, because you, this year has been a year of kind of uh, short-lived obsessions with you. You had a very short-lived obsession with Star Wars, right? The lucky list, the luckiest. That's the second obsession you had. You went from Star Wars to the miraculous. A cartoon, which is a story of a ladybug who's a teenage girl who turns into a superhero, right? Now, now you, and even that, though, you've kind of lost your interest in that. As soon as, you, what I've noticed with you, Grace, is that as soon as you have an obsession, and as soon as it reaches its culmination, like with Miraculous, you were the ladybug character for Halloween. And that was something you focused on all year long, and then as soon as it happened... Boom, it's a cancel. You lose all interest in Ladybug. Is that true? Yeah. Why do you think that is? Because. Speak into the microphone. Why do you think that is? Because, um, I don't know, I get too hyped up. You do. You get very hyped up, and then I think that there's a, a letdown. Like, it's almost like the Super Bowl is played and then you're done with football for the for the next year i mean you do this with all of your obsessions you but all your toys like you know all the big toys that santa has brought you over Maribel. the years uh, last year all you wanted was your american girl doll your american girl doll american girl doll and as soon as you got your american girl doll you had no interest in the american girl doll none it's and this is a continuing pattern with you I mean, so so it happened with uh, Star Wars. It happened with Miraculous. It never happened with Nessie, Bigfoot, well, or that's, Yeti. Okay, that's where I'm heading. Because the one thing that has maintained itself all year long, this has been the year of Investigator Grace, <laughs> right? 
And all year long, you've been investigating these mysteries. Actually, also last year, well, it started from the first time I watched Smallfoot, and I would like to say, um, thank Stephen McKetta because he's the one who made me see uh, Smallfoot, and that's what got my obsession going. And Stephen is your cousin. Yeah. So he he wa- had you watch Smallfoot. That got your obsession with Bigfoot. And this obsession with Bigfoot and with the Loch Ness Monster and with Yeti and with the Chickacabra, all these sort of mysterious figures, you have been obsessed with investigating them all year long. And I mean obsessed. Like, for instance, when your sister takes a nap and your mommy takes a nap, what's the number one thing you like to do? Bug dad evidence right bug dad to find evidence of bigfoot or the loch ness monster or or what have you and so what what is your fascination with this subject uh, i don't know what that means why are you so interested in this i just told you well no you you got interested but why are you still interested i mean you know i have told you <clears throat> that i don't think bigfoot exists i don't think the loch ness monster exists uh, i don't think uh, yeti exists uh, i don't think the chickacabra exists you saw evidence with your own eyes what evidence yosemite evidence yosemite evidence no 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 wait hold on a second <laughs> now you're reversing history here because when we went to yosemite this year I went to the trouble of creating fake Bigfoot prints well, the first were, morning that we were there. I got up super early. Dad, I created b- fake Bigfoot Dad, prints, and Dad. you saw them, and you got scared and ran away, and you wanted nothing to do with them. Dad, Dad, yeah. there was this one footprint casting that wasn't a fake. Right. But I told you that two of them I did, and they were fakes. So don't tell me that that's evidence of Bigfoot. That's evidence that your dad is a schlep who got up early in the morning to create tremendously good fake Bigfoot prints. They look terrible. They scared the bejesus out of you. (laughs) Did they not? You were scared, were you not? I was not. You were scared. But so so what do you, what is your position? Do you believe that there's a Bigfoot? I believe that there is something out there. Oh boy, that's vague. What does that mean? Of course there's something <laughs> out there, but is there a Bigfoot? Does Bigfoot exist? <laughs> um yes. <laughs> <laughs> How about Loch Ness monster? Yes. <laughs> okay. You're not really sure, are you? I am. So why is Bigfoot your favorite? I thought Nessie, the Loch Ness Monster, was your favorite, but it now seems like Bigfoot's your favorite. Why is that? Bigfoot's more bloodthirsty. Oh, you like you like the bloodthirsty element of Bigfoot? <laughs> you don't know that, by the way, because you're just making this up. It's all made up. No, but, it's not. Okay. Uh, so... What do you? What have you learned about being an investigator this year from checking out all this evidence? When you look at evidence of Bigfoot or or the Loch Ness monster, what are you looking for as an investigator? Bigfoot. No, but what, you've been able to tell what's good evidence, what's good evidence, and what's bad evidence. 
I know that the most famous one is good evidence. What is that? Tell me the, tell me the good evidence. The Gimlin. You're talking about the uh, the Patterson Gimlin video? Yes. A Bigfoot. That's the famous one of him prancing across the field and then looking right into the camera that he has no idea what it is. And then they just let him go into the forest and they never follow him or do anything? Yes. You find, you, you do. But you would find it scary to follow an un, you, you would find it scary to follow an unknown creature. Well, but not that scary. I think I would follow him a little bit just to get better video. If I saw Bigfoot walking across the field, I think I might follow him. I think I might, I might be a little curious and just not stand there and oh, stop, yeah, stop the camera. He's bloodthirsty. We don't know that. You, I do. He doesn't look very, very bloodthirsty in that film. He's prancing across the field like he's got no problems. So I don't, I don't think that video is real. I, I think it's a fake. In fact, I think the, there were people who admitted it was a fake. All right. All right. So, so you're still fascinated by the whole Bigfoot Loch Ness Monster thing, right? Mm. All right, and so are we going to continue to look for evidence? Is this is this is a continuing exercise of yours? Yes. Yes. All right. Now I, I want to make one other question or ask one other question about the whole uh, miraculous ladybug obsession that you had. What about descendants? Uh, no, we're not going to talk about descendants. Uh, but miraculous ladybug. The thing that bug, bugs me, ha ha ha, about your ladybug obsession. Mm. Is that I think the reason why you like that show is that Ladybug is in a constant romance with the cat noir figure who is Adrian. And I think that's why you like the show, because I think you're boy crazy. Is that not anymore? You're not boy crazy anymore? I'm stopping it so I can watch Descendants. Alright, well, to this moment, I believe you're a boy boy crazy, and that's why you like the miraculous ladybug show. Is that correct? Uh, no. Oh, come on. You you love the Adrian character, and you love when the Ladybug character, the teenage girl, is in a romance with Adrian, correct? Okay, okay. I wish my mom didn't hear this. But why do you like boys so much? You're boy crazy. Um... It scares me. Boys are bad. Most boys are very bad. You do understand that, right, Grace? Boys are icky. They're dumb. You don't. You shouldn't want anything to do with boys for a long time. Trust me, I was a boy. I know. <laughs> I'm giving you good advice here, Grace. You, but why do you like boys so much? What is it about boys that you like so much? I just want to be like any girls. What? I just want to be like. You want to be like other girls? You want to be a. You, oh, you want to be a teenager. Trust me, you do not want to be a teenager. No, 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 no. You cannot be serious. No, you you are not going to be a teenage girl uh, for as long as we can possibly hold that off. Okay. Um, all right. Now, since you were uh, Ladybug for Halloween, I would be remiss if I did not ask you because there's a lot of Michael Jackson fans who listen to this podcast. I got to ask you about going to the Michael Jackson family Halloween party. How was that? Uh, spooky. That's all you're going to say? <laughs> you had a great time, didn't you? Yeah. So tell me about the party. How, how cool was it? 
It was cool. I, I didn't feel like that much candy, so I didn't steal that much. It wasn't stealing candy. It was all there free. So, I mean, there was no stealing. But, uh, but tell me about, can you tell me what, what, what you remember about the party? Um, I remember that I met Little Red Riding Hood. You also met Tom Mesereau, <laughs> Michael Jackson's attorney. You've kind of become a Michael Jackson fan in the last uh, few months. Since, yeah. t- tell me how that's happened. Do you do you like Michael Jackson? Yeah. Tell me why you like Michael Jackson. He's funny. He's funny. Do you like his music? Yeah. Do you remember a song that you like that he did? Yeah, that's a pretty popular one. But but you had a good time at the Halloween party. Mm-hmm. I feel like you're not being as enthusiastic about the Halloween party as you were at the time. Have you forgotten about the Halloween party already? Uh, no. The only thing that I hated about it oh, is good. because you always prank me, and I thought you were going to prank me to go into the zombie fields. Yeah, well, there were some super scary parts of the party, weren't there? And you and you didn't want to go like into the cemetery and and into the house because you thought it might be a little too scary, real too spooky. Yeah. But I didn't do that, did I? No, you didn't. Okay, but you got to meet you got to meet Brandy Jackson. Remember that? Yeah. She was super nice, and you met Taj Jackson, and you met Tom. We had dinner with Tom Mesero and his wife and his daughter. Remember that? Yeah. Everyone was super nice. It was a great time. All right, now. Um, Two other things. Tell me about how school is this year. How are you feeling about school? We already talked about school, but um, this girl, Delilah, and she is like the best. Me and her dream of getting a new Descendants um, uh, makeup kit. That's your dream with your friend Delilah at school. But but you like your teacher, Miss Winter, right? Yes. Okay, well, good. So so things are good, better in school this year, right? So maybe that's why you've been better and maybe why we're more optimistic about Santa Claus. But there's another big thing that's happened this year, of course, and that is that your sister, your little sister Diana, is now two and a half years old. And so now we're getting to know her. She can talk now. So what do you make of your sister now that you've gotten to know her a little bit? I think she is dumb. No, you don't. Tell me what you really think about your sister. She doesn't go poop on the potty. She doesn't go poop on the potty. Okay, great. You didn't either for a very, 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 very long time. So tell me what you really... Say something nice about your sister. She... You can't think of anything nice to say about your sister. <laughs> Should we bring her in and, and have her on the show? Yes. All right, let's do that now, okay? Diana Ziegler, welcome to the podcast. How are you, Diana? I just odd. You just what? Diana, how old are you? Nothing. You're nothing? You're two years old. I'm one. Now, you're two and a half years old. You're two and a half, Diana. Are you two and a half? No. You know how old you are. I just asked. 
You're just speaking gibberish. <laughs> this is the first time on, on the show. This is this is your broadcasting <laughs> debut. <laughs> and it might be a little premature. But that's okay. Diana, can you Diana, don't push the buttons. <laughs> Diana, can Diana tell me about tell me about your sister Grace. How do you like your sister Grace? Because because do you like her? Yeah, I do. Yeah, do you love her? Yeah, I uh, do. Tell me why you love her. I think because I'm exactly like her. I'm her guide. Yeah. I'm on Why are you talking to me? <laughs> We're talking to you because it's a radio show. Hello, uh, uh, Diana. Diana. Stop it. Diana, Grace. do you believe in Bigfoot? You don't be, see. She's smart. She doesn't believe in Bigfoot. Accent stop. All right. So, uh, Diana, tell me about Santa Claus. You met Santa Claus last week. Yeah. How did that go? Because. Did you? Were you afraid of him this year? Yeah. No, you weren't. I will. You were afraid of him last year, but not this year. So, what do you want from Santa She's this year? Yes. Diana, what do you want from Santa? Uh, no. You don't know what you want? Well, then it's, it's going to be difficult to for Santa to come through then. Of the, of the ice palace? Okay, uh, Diana, I'm going to ask you a couple more questions. Uh, what do you think of Trump? What do you think of President Trump, Diana? Um, nothing. Nothing? What do you think of his impeachment? Do you think he should have been impeached? Stupid. Grace, what do you think of... Do you, Diana, do you think Trump should have been impeached? No, you don't think he should have been impeached. I, you see, okay. she hates Trump, but she's just not going where she wants to go. Well, she called him an idiot at dinner the other day. Oh, a moron. I'm sorry. Uh, mom just corrected me. By the way, does mom want to come on the podcast? Please, mom. Apparently, wow, this is chaos. <laughs> okay, Diana, perhaps, we, perhaps this was a little premature because Diana is wrecking havoc. Diana, Diana, is there something else you want to say, Diana? Apparently, there's nothing else Diana wants to say. So this was not a great idea by Daddy. Daddy thought Diana was ready for this, but she's not ready for this. Diana, can you say goodbye? No. Can you say, what do you want to talk about? No, you can't touch the things. You can, you're going to break the things in the, in the studio. So can you say goodbye, Diana? No. No. Money. Uh, well, my <laughs> mommy just paid you off with some quarters <laughs> to try to get you under control. All right. So, so. All this ong sounds hands. I have no idea what you're saying. Hey, uh, Gracie says that you're a little slow on the potty. Is that true? Are you yeah. you don't like going potty? Uh, What's that about? Why no, why no potty yet? Yeah, she doesn't like talking about subjects that, that are uncomfortable. She's all, She's actually. She's, Dana, do you want to see she's, Elmo? She's actually a lot like Trump. Do you want to? She see, changes the subject. She pouts Elmo? a lot. Do you want to see Elmo? Do you right. want to? Okay, Diana, do you have anything else to say? No. Not, okay. Can you? Off. The headphones keep falling off. I know. Can you say goodbye? Can you say Merry Christmas? Bye. All right, Grace, anything else you want to say? Bigfoot, descendant, 
You're just going to spout off words that have no, no meaning together. What's your final message for the audience, Grace? Can I watch Descendants? <laughs> You're not going to be allowed to watch Descendants. All right. Uh, so why don't you say goodbye and a Merry Christmas and a Happy New bye Year? Bye-bye. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. I hope you find Bigfoot. All right. Diana, say Happy New Year. Or Merry Christmas. Bye. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank Happy you, Gra- New Year. Thank you, Grace. Thank you, Diana. Bye. Bye. Well, that went... Okay, I'm not 100% sure how that went. I'll be have to have to listen to it in its final version. Maybe our our producer Kevin can salvage uh, something out of that uh, chaos. Uh, but uh, it, at least we got uh, our fifth annual Grace Ziegler Christmas interview in. Since we talked in the last episode a lot about uh, the whole issue of Santa Claus and where uh, Grace Ziegler stood on Santa Claus. I think it's pretty clear that uh, her belief meter is still very high. Uh, There have been some um, further signs of questioning, and I don't know if you picked up on it, but where I was trying to go there with this contradiction with Grace is that we have very high belief in Santa Claus, Uh, And I don't know that she really believes in Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster as much as she professes there. And there's obviously an inherent contradiction that if you are her and you are able to see through the fallacy of uh, some of these other mysteries like Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster, and yet you still believe in Santa Claus, that appears to be a contradiction, except, of course, there's a big difference. And that is Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster don't provide gifts. And there's no emotional investment as there is. Plus, there's no uh, media industrial complex that is created uh, based upon the idea of maintaining belief in Santa Claus, which Grace Ziegler has consumed a lot of. But I continue to be fascinated by not just that contradiction, but by the bigger issue of uh, does Grace really believe? How long will she believe going forward? I think we're going to get through this year as a seven-year-old fairly unscathed. Next year, who the heck knows? I I continue to think that she is uh, smart enough that uh, eventually she's just going to wake up and and put all the pieces together and it's just going to be a disaster. And I dread that day, but I don't think that day is going to be today or tomorrow. And I'm thankful about that. Unfortunately, we were not able to get uh, Mama Ziegler on the podcast. She had indicated that she might be willing to do that. But if we ever do put her on the podcast, that's going to have to be like a three-part special. Because uh, people are fascinated by how it is anyone could both be married to me and remain married to me based upon the circumstances of my career and my life. Now, since this is the <clears throat> the last episode of the podcast for 2019, I, I have a couple thoughts on some recent developments regarding the end of the year and some of the awards that have been uh, that have been presented or <clears throat> in, t- in the case of the Time Magazine Person of the Year, which is not actually an award, uh, an annual event th- that gets a lot of attention, but which I now believe has jumped the shark in a tremendously absurd way. And so I'm going to do that. And then I want to talk about my year uh, because I think that my year, and not just because it's about me, and this podcast is about the world according to Zig, but because I think my year is emblematic of a much larger and more important than a reality about the news media. So I'm going to get to that in short. But first, 
uh, these year-end awards or, or announcements, <clears throat> as I already mentioned with the Time Magazine Person of the Year, Greta Thunberg, who is this 16-year-old climate change activist from Sweden, uh, was announced uh, two weeks ago as the Time Person of the Year. Uh, this is completely absurd. It's just flat-out ridiculous. And uh, it's overtly so. And I believe that this is one of those choices that is going to age incredibly poorly. And it's really not just about the issue of climate change. I mean, because I think that the climate change people have been able to put together a set of rules where it's almost impossible to disprove uh, climate change or global warming. That's partially why they changed the, the messaging from global warming to climate change, because who can argue about climate change? The climate is always appearing to change. It always has. It always will. And so, therefore, no matter what happens, it's consistent with climate change. So I don't know that in my lifetime, it's, although it's one of my few life goals left, I, I wish I could live long enough to see the day when the climate change global warming people are finally forced to admit that at the very least a lot of this was overblown hysteria. I don't know if that's a realistic goal or not, but regardless of whether that happens, and I do think that'll happen eventually. I don't know what the time period on it is, but it will happen eventually. I just think that the the choice of, of Greta as the person of the year was so absurd that it, it will look foolish even in a short period of time. Uh, let's be realistic about this. She was not the person of the year. The person of the year is supposed to be the person who influenced the year more than anybody else. And, you know, by all rights, that was obviously Donald Trump. You could argue that it was Bill Barr, the Attorney General of the United States. You could even argue it was Robert Mueller for having screwed up the Russian investigation and allowed Bill Barr to run circles around him and, uh, and screwed up his testimony to the point where Trump was able to get away with what should have been a deadlock cinch case for impeachment. I uh, leave the answer to the uh, our report. Uh, I, not, I'm not a fan of Robert Mueller. He should never have taken that on because he was not up to the job. He wussed out and he was too old for it and he lost his balls. But that's uh, more of a story for the individual one podcast, but any of those people would have been logical for the time person of the year. And I realize the time person of the year is supposed to be an international thing. Even if you include internationally, the idea that Greta Thunberg is the person of the year is absurd. Uh, she has influenced nothing. All, all she really is, is a vehicle for the liberal media uh, to use. And they, they are, in my view, they're exploiting and almost abusing her because she's a 16-year-old girl who has Asperger's syndrome. And this is why she is able to give them what they want. This 16-year-old girl who is so outraged that we're destroying the planet. She has no special knowledge. She has uh, impacted no special change. And we have no idea how she's going to turn out as a human being. None. And frankly, I can't imagine that this is going to be good for her. To have this kind of attention at 16 when you have Asperger's, what's going to happen when she's 25? And she's already played out. I mean, where can she go from here? I mean, she's already played it out. Now, she'll be a, a, a hero on the left uh, forever and ever, but uh, I, I don't see good things. For her in the future. I don't know how it's going to turn out, but it's probably not going to end well, regardless of what that is. But even bigger than that, I just resent the idea that something that used to be important, like the time person of the year, and to be clear, 
Hitler was once the time person of the year. Uh, so it's not an award. But the idea that now it's all based upon, it's basically the wokeness person of the year. You know, if you're, it's how woke you are. It's not how much you influence things or how great you were or how bad you were or what an impact you made. It's how woke you are. So she's basically the wokeness person of the year. And, uh, and this is all because the media is broken. This is because the business model has broken. There's no broadcasting anymore. There's, there's and the same thing for print. It's all about focusing on your particular micro-cult. And to the Time Magazine micro-cult, making Greta the person of the year, uh, gave them a mini orgasm. And I'm sure that they uh, sold uh, you know, a good number of magazines. Uh, but uh, they've now jumped the shark. They've now completely and totally jumped the shark. I'm sure they've done it in the past, but more dramatically now than ever before. Now, similarly, Sports Illustrated did almost exactly the same thing. They made Megan uh, Rapinoe, the women's soccer player, uh, women's so- U.S. women's soccer team won the World Cup. They made her the Sportsman of the Year. Now, as someone who used to religiously read Sports Illustrated but who canceled my subscription uh, when they threw Joe Paterno under the bus and blew the whole Penn State, uh, Joe Paterno, Jerry Sandusky scandal uh, horrendously, uh, it, is, it is insulting to me, but now it's almost to the point of, of being humorous, that they would make Megan Rapinoe the uh, Sportsman of the Year. Now, Sportsman of the Year is supposed to be your athletic achievement combined with some sort of off the field component, right? And uh, there's, but generally it's an award. It's much more of an award, certainly than the time person of the year. Megan Rapinoe didn't even win the U.S. Soccer's Athlete of the Year award among women. So there's an argument over whether she was even the best women's soccer team on the U.S. team that won the World Cup. So why did she win Sportsman of the Year? It's just like Time Person of the Year. She won it because she's super woke, because she hates Donald Trump, and because she's gay. So if she's not gay and she doesn't hate Donald Trump very publicly, there's zero chance that she's the Sportsman of the Year. Zero. And that's absurd. That's wrong. And it's a joke. You cannot be serious. And I think I think that this is going to look worse in uh, in the view of history than even uh, Greta Thunberg winning the Time Person of the Year, largely because there was an obvious alternative answer other than Megan uh, Megan Rapinoe, and that's Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods should have been the Sportsman of the Year, and I'm and this is you know I'm saying this as someone who literally heckled Tiger Woods at the 2010 U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. I used to be his biggest fan, then I hated his guts, but I got to admit what he has done this year, in defiance of my predictions and the predictions of many many other people, has has been unbelievable. It's been historic. It's been extraordinary to watch. He won the Masters at 43 years old. He won a uh, World Golf Championship event to tie Stan- Sam. Sneed's all-time record of PGA Tour wins. 
this didn't happen quite when the Sports Illustrated made their uh, announcement, but they, they could have easily waited another week uh, because he ended up captaining, captaining and leading the United States to a win in the President's Cup in very dramatic fashion. And uh, he, he was a, the only player with an undefeated, unblemished, un, unblemished record for the United States, did a great job with the captain, captaincy, that he didn't panic. They uh, ended up coming from behind to beat the international team in Australia. I mean, Tiger Woods had an extraordinary year. Years after, by his own admission, he was done. It was over. Stick a fork in him. His career was completely kaput. And for him to do this now at the age of almost 44, he's about to turn 44 in a couple of days, and to do so in an, in an era where the game is dominated by young people is just extraordinary. Not to mention, he's a massive celebrity. And not to mention, he also won the Presidential Medal of Freedom. But that's the problem. Because, and here I am, a very anti-Trump conservative, the problem is he won the Presidential Medal of Freedom from Donald Trump. And that made him ineligible to be Sportsman of the Year because his wokeness quotient is now in the toilet. Because he's a business partner of Donald Trump, which, by the way, he shouldn't have gotten the Presidential Medal of Freedom because it was an obvious conflict of interest, but that's another story for another day. But if you, when people look back in history, they're going to be baffled, assuming Sports Illustrated even still exists, that somehow Tiger Woods, at 43, winning the Masters, tying Sam Snead's record, winning the President's Cup as a captain and a player, and getting the Presidential Medal of Freedom. It all happens in the same year, and he's not the sportsman of the year? You cannot be serious! But that's the world we live in now, because it's all about wokeness. And that's why the media is broken. And by the way, that's partially why Trump's got a chance at re-election. Because nothing the media says has any credibility anymore. People know it. And it has no influence over anybody who would even dream of voting for Donald Trump because they've thrown away all their credibility on all this super wokeness crap, and it's disgusting. Now, I mentioned that I wanted to say a few words in closing about my year of 2019, since this is the last episode of the podcast for this particular year. And this has been a particularly interesting year on a number of levels. And I want to take this out of the the personal and, and broaden it to what my year says about the nature of the news media and just how incredibly broken it is in, on so many different levels. But let me just give you a very short thumbnail sketch of my 2019. So Donald Trump was impeached this year, not because of me. Let me make that exceedingly clear. But one of my of the achievements of which I am most proud this year is that on this podcast at the end of last year, I started to sow the seeds to convince my good friend, Democratic Congressman John Yarmuth, the chairman of the Budget Committee in the House of Representatives, to change his position from being against impeachment to being in favor of impeachment. I was successful in that via this podcast and from uh, off-the-air conversations with him, and he became a leader in the pro-impeachment movement. Donald Trump was, in fact, impeached just this week. And so that that's a that's a pretty good achievement for a guy with a tiny little podcast uh, that doesn't get a lot of attention and you know who's who's somebody who, theoretically whose career is in the crap heap. Um, but I'm proud of that. But that's just one data point. So let's look at what else happened this year. 
I was given credit, bizarrely, because I never get credit for things I actually deserve, and I'm not sure I really deserve the credit I got on this one. So it was a very strange position for me to be in to get more credit than I deserved. But I got credit for being the first media person to call bullshit on the Jussie Smollett story. And I was the first person in a prominent place, Mediate, where I write columns, to say, wait a minute, this Jesse Smollett hate crime uh, story makes no damn sense. Uh, the police don't really believe it. And look for this story to fall apart. And that's exactly what happened. So, so that was a, a, an interesting episode that uh, I think uh, I did pretty well in. Then there was a very similar circumstance involving Michael Jackson and the Leaving Neverland HBO documentary, which I helped uh, debunk and played a, a pretty significant role in at least convincing uh, those in the pro-Michael Jackson camp that this is all bullshit. It was, frankly, a similar situation to the Jesse Smollett story, where uh, it's a hoax. I mean, the, the Leaving Neverland movie is a hoax. It's just that I'm not 100% sure that the filmmaker, Dan Reed, even understands that. But I was way out in front on that. In fact, I think I'm really the only American media personality who has been very outspoken and done any research or any original journalism on this entire thing. The movie has fallen apart since I've done that. And, you know, I got an interesting email this week from somebody I don't even know congratulating me on having convinced them that I was right about leaving Neverland when they thought I was going to be completely discredited because when I came out against leaving Neverland, they thought that by this time there would be a hundred accusers that came forward uh, joining Wade Robson and James Safechuck's lawsuit against the Michael Jackson estate. Because that's what should logically happen, right? I mean, HBO did a five-hour commercial for new accusers to come forward. A five-hour commercial. Hey, come join us. There could be millions and millions of dollars in it for you. And instead, they got nothing. Nothing at all. And this is one of my pet peeves with how moronic the media is. They never put these pieces together. They never go wait a minute, oh, wow, yeah, that should have happened. It didn't happen. I wonder if we should reconsider our preconceived notions about a particular story. Well, they'll never do that because no one forces them to do that, and it's inconvenient, and it's, and it's risky, and no one wants to go against the horde or the mob or the herd. And so, uh, and, and, and so anyway, I think I've been vindicated, and this person emailed me to say that. They, they never changed their mind, and they believe that uh, I'm right about this, and I've had a lot of other people with similar reactions. So I was right about Jesse Smollett. I was right about Leaving Neverland being a hoax. I was the focus of a book by Malcolm Gladwell. Number one best-selling book for a couple of weeks in America, Malcolm Gladwell, esteemed, respected writer called Talking to Strangers. Chapter number five is basically about my work on the Penn State Joe Paterno Jerry Sandusky case. He gives me all sorts of credit. He goes right up to the precipice of saying that Jerry Sandusky is innocent but is unwilling to go that far because I don't think he, uh, you know, he had a lot more to lose than I do. And I understand why he doesn't want to go that far because if he did that, that's all his book would be about. 
That's all anyone would, would know about his book is that Malcolm Gladwell uh, declares that Jerry Sandusky is innocent. Uh, instead, uh, he goes about as far as anybody else possibly could in his position. We did an interview with him on this podcast. It was an extraordinary interview. I urge you to check it out. Uh, and here was uh, his conclusion about uh, my role in the whole uh, Penn State, Joe Paterno, Jerry Sandusky uh, saga. I admire what you have done, um, and I... I would encourage others to read through it and reach their own conclusions. I think that you have, if we come out of this case by saying it's an incredibly difficult case and we should never have treated um, Spaniard, Curly, Schultz, and Paterno the way we did, I think you have won. Notice that G leaves out Jerry Sandusky's name there, but trust me, I, I think he... Um I think he is a supportive of my overall uh, view of the case. That's my opinion. That's not a quote from him, and I respect what he's done. But as I correctly predicted, it has not changed the world. It's not, I mean, it has nothing to do with him, uh, and I admire what he has tried to do in that book. Uh, but I told him that he was overestimating the influence that that was going to have. I, it is my theory that he thought he was putting up a bat signal to the rest of the media saying, hey, take another look at this case. And no one has done that. No one in the news media has done that. Now, I will say on the positive side that Malcolm Gladwell, this is the power of Malcolm Gladwell, that within elite, uh, I, for lack of a better term, Hollywood circles, within some production people here in the Los Angeles area, this has had an impact. It has detoxified the topic, and uh, myself and some other people have been able to get some pretty interesting meetings in the last couple of months about theoretically doing something, either in the podcasting realm and or in the television um, miniseries realm on the whole Penn State Joe Paterno Jerry Sandusky saga. I, I'm not going to hold my breath based upon how much we've been disappointed in the past, but at least there is some semblance of hope going forward there, and it's all because of Malcolm Gladwell's book, because of the fact that now you have some semblance of cover. Hey, Gladwell says, take a look at this. Maybe there's a reason why we should do that. That still has power within the uh, within the elites, with certainly within the publishing industry, and uh, to some extent also within the television movie production realm, and I'll keep you updated on that if anything should transpire in 2020. Then I also did the only media interview with Matt Lauer after he was accused of rape by Ronan Farrow's new bogus book, and this was extraordinary. I went across the country, spent six hours in Matt Lauer's kitchen, no holds barred. It was an off-the-record interview that eventually I believe will turn into something that will be on the record. I still believe you're going to hear a lot more from Matt, hopefully in early 2020, about the real story of what really happened there and why Ronan Farrow's book is not to be believed. That got quite a bit of publicity, especially within the entertainment media. Uh, but I did that on my own dime to show you how broken the news media is. I spent about 800 hours of my own money to do that, and I've spent an enormous amount of time, both before and much more so after the interview, uh, with Matt on a, a variety of topics, researching uh, an enormous amount of information related to Ronan Farrow's book, and it's cost me money. I mean, that's, remember Grace Sigler's famous phrase? It's costing money! 
Yeah, that's but that's what you have to do. That's the only way the truth comes out now is someone is willing to not only be uh, able to not make money, but oftentimes you have to be willing to lose money over it because there's no financial gain in taking an unpopular position in the media anymore. Uh, let me just add a couple other uh, data points for my 2019. I played a pretty significant role in both editing and in voicing a part in a, a major motion picture that's going to come out hopefully next year. I can't tell you much more than that, uh, but that was a great experience, and it would be the first time I was in a major motion picture, although my face won't be, my voice will be, but more importantly, I, I played a pretty big role in how the movie was actually created. Got paid no money for that, but that's fine because that was for a friend. We started a new Individual One podcast that got uh, critically acclaimed, which is unusual for me, and has had a very nice response internationally, uh, all related to the presidency of Donald J. Trump. And so that was an awful lot of work. Uh, we've done, uh, I guess we're up to our 78th episode of that this year. So this has been a very busy and eventful year. I mean, for, for a, an average media figure who's not a celebrity, uh, that's an extraordinary year, what I just laid out there. That just all that happened in the last uh, 12 months or even less than that, and almost exactly in 12-month period. And here's the, here's the kicker of all this. I just laid out my year. I will net less money this year than any other time in my entire career. I've been in the media on and off for about 30 years since I graduated from college. I don't think there's ever been a year where I will have made less money, even not even counting inflation. I've made less money this year than any other year. Now, don't worry about me. I, I'm financially secure, at least for now. Uh, and so it's, this isn't about me. This is about what that says about how unbelievably broken the news media is and how impossible it is for the truth to come out about certain subjects. Because you don't have many, for better or worse, John Ziegler's out there who are willing to go through the least uh, uh, economically viable year of their lives and potentially even lose money in certain situations in order to get access to and be able to tell unpopular truths. And so there are all sorts of things that should have made this a very successful year, and in many ways it was. But financially, it was a disaster. And guess what? Thanks to the crackpots at the state capital of California, 2020 is probably going to be even worse. Because you may have heard of a California law called AB5. In 2020, because of my current relationship with Mediate, where I'm a senior columnist, it's complicated, but here's the bottom line. I'm going to be limited to 35 columns next year by the state of California because they have, in their infinite stupidity and insanity, they have come up with this law in an effort to try to combat the so-called gig economy. This was all created with the, the purpose of protecting Uber drivers and somehow got to the realm of freelance writers and some moron named Lorena Gonzalez, an assemblywoman from Southern California, decided almost on her own, apparently, to throw into this bill the idea that freelance writers should be limited in California to submitting 35 articles in a given year. 35. You cannot be serious!
I normally write 120, which is an enormous number of columns, by the way. But uh, And I don't get paid all that much by Mediate, but I don't care about the payment. That's not what I'm in this for. I'm one of those very strange people who actually cares about the truth. But the reality is that uh, because now I'm going to be down to 35, I'll make even less money than I currently did. There doesn't appear to be an easy way around this. And then the dumbest part of this is people are already losing their jobs. There's lots of people who have totally lost their job. I don't. I have no idea. I may end up losing my job eventually at Mediate because of this, because in an election year, I'm going to be effectively wiped from the website. I mean, going from 120 to 35 columns, who the hell knows what's going to happen? This is likely going to be the most eventful political year, maybe ever, certainly in, in recent times, up there with 2016, maybe more so than 2016. But regardless, this is a horrible year for this to happen, and they could change this with emergency legislation. There's been some push for that, but my guess is the egos and the laziness will not allow that to happen. It will eventually be changed, but it'll be changed in 2020, which won't go into effect until 2021, which does mean no damn good. Because by that time, first of all, the damage has been done, and 2021 is not an election year. And frankly, getting 120 columns in 2021, especially if Joe Biden's president, that's going to be awfully difficult because we're going to be bored out of our freaking minds. But the whole thing is just... It's just flat out ridiculous. This is California. Uh, and this is the insanity that is California, and it's coming nationwide. Look out. Uh, we're we're heading for the nanny state, and there's not much we can do about it. It's enough to make you think maybe Donald Trump should be reelected. No, I didn't really say that. I, I, I that was that was a bout of insanity for a moment. But but the bottom line of all this is, let my uh, experience be an example of a much larger reality. The media is totally broken. Meanwhile, there's lots of media people whose careers got benefited tremendously, made a lot more money by lying their ass off, especially on behalf of Donald Trump. So there's there's no capital, there's no marketplace for the truth in unpopular situations anymore. And my life and my career is a proof of that. And that's why this podcast exists. So there's at least one place to document all of it. And thank you very much for being a listener and a supporter of this. Hopefully we'll be able to continue this into 2020. I'm sure it'll be a very interesting year. I hope you have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And until 2020, thanks so much for listening. As always, I ask only two things of you. Number one, make sure you share this via social media. Media, Twitter, Facebook, word of mouth, what have you. And number two, if you're one of those people who sleeps and when you sleep, you use sheets, please pay attention to this important message. My name is John Ziegler. Our website is www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. Coffee? Oh, thanks. How did you sleep? Ugh, like a baby. I don't want to get out of bed, ever. These sheets are mm, incredibly soft. What did you say they're called again? Performance bedding by Sheiks. <laughs> performance bedding? <laughs> yeah. They're made from super high-tech performance fabric. They're incredibly breathable, so you're not waking up at night throwing covers off and then an hour later throwing them back on. Huh. No wonder I slept so good. Since I started using Sheiks, I sleep like a baby. No more sweaty nights for me. No? Well. <laughs> well, I like them because they're soft. They feel like, mm, silk. Performance fabric, huh? Maybe we should... Oh, I don't know. Try them out again. <laughs> <laughs> Comfort and performance for better sleep. That's Sheiks. S-H-E-E-X. Sheiks. Try Sheiks for 30 nights risk-free. Go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com, promo code 1212. 
sleepcoolnow.com 1212.